Hey folks, you're very welcome to this episode 3 of the Joy of Aquascaping podcast with me, Greg. And this week, we're going to be talking about all things filtration. So before we even get stuck in to this week's episode, which, guys, is going to be a big deep dive. It's going to be a deep dive into filtration, not just what filtration is. Because when people think filtration, quite often they think, you know, our sponge filters or canister filters. That's not filtration. They're the filters themselves. There are different types of filtration going on within those filters. And what I want to do is I want to do a big deep dive, talk about all aspects of filtration. Again, what it is, why we're doing it, how it affects the water, what it is we're working on and removing and how those things affect our fish and why it is we need to filter them so that you don't just have to like look at the different types of filters. You can look at setting up a very specific filtration system for your needs on whatever aquarium or pond it is that you have because there are three types of filtration and we're going to get into those in detail. But before that, I just want to give a quick shout out to everybody who answered the sticker this week on Instagram. I asked, do you prefer canister, sponge, or bog filters? Um, I had a couple of answers back in this one. Oscar Bear, what, what you recommend to use. Really appreciate that. Um, don't just take it from me, though. Always look everywhere. Do all your research. You know, that's how I found out everything that I have about fish keeping over the course of the last 20 years. I researched as many places as I can. But much flatter. Thank you very much shrimp.ua this is loads of fish again as usual deadly i like it i'll never have a problem with that cooks piggy pack sponge 100 i can't get my tank perfectly clear but my fish are super healthy and that's you know i'm going to talk about sponge filters because i use them as well on all of my goldfish tanks yes they don't provide mechanical filtration but they provide superb biological filtration so yeah they're going to be actioning one part of your filtration system but it's not a complete filtration system until you come in and you do your own mechanical filtration, which is going to be using your siphon. We'll talk about that after. Now, what else have we got? We have Among Chaos, Trickle Terrors, or K1 Tumbling Media. Absolutely superb types of filtration systems, which are going to allow a lot of good biological filtration to occur, as long as you've got your mechanical filtration set up ahead of that. Uh, J-M-E-M-I, I can't pronounce that, I'm sorry, Jememji. Canister for display tank, sponge filters for the majority of the fish room. And I can I completely understand why you use canisters for the display tanks because they will be they will allow multiple types of filtration to occur. You can get that set up within them. So not only will the water be clean, but it'll also be clear, really good for display tanks. And it means then that you might not have to go in and spot clean out poop every day um, if they're display tanks you don't want that knocking about and like that the sponges for the rest of the fish room and for anybody who would be unsure what that means it's it's an air driven sponge where air is pumped into the sponge and as the water rises it pulls water through the sponge and that does some filtering it doesn't really mechanically filter and that's why it's it's good for tanks that aren't necessarily display tanks but we're going to explain all about that later on we'll get into that um canister uh, goldfish water piggies canister must be maintained regularly absolutely correct and right um julia pinot internal internal super handy if you want to keep things kind of nice and kind of clean and sleek and just not have things outside of your aquarium they got pros and cons just like every type of filter that you might use in your aquarium or outside of your aquarium They've all got pros and cons, which we're going to discuss in this episode. Sabrina Pavolato, sponge filters, but I want to try bog filters in the future. Now, the other type of 
filtration system that I use mainly besides sponge filters is bog filters. If I've got a big enough setup, I will put a bog filter on it. So my raised pond has a bog filter. It That wetlands bog filter is amazing. And that's the fancy goldfish pond, which is heated over the winter. And then my koi pond has a massive, massive bog filter system on it, which I'll talk to you about later on because it works so, so well. But again, like every filtration system, has its peculiarities and drawbacks. It's cons as such. Uh, Chrissy Barrett, bog all day. And I, I've been talking to Chrissy Barrett about um, his setup in, in the past. Like, you know, it's, yeah, they're amazing. They're so, so good. And again, got a couple of quirks just to keep an eye out for. And things just worth, worth kind of bearing in mind. So we'll definitely talk about that. And Fishy Love Affairs, good to have both in place. And you know what? I absolutely couldn't agree more because... If you have multiple types of filtration set up, well then you've got backup systems. Essentially, your filtration setup is a system, and if you have backups for it or multiple systems, well it can you can just provide more of the complete filtration needs for your fish. And really, that there's nothing wrong with that. That is always, always good. And me personally, I like to have multiple filters on every setup that I have because things can go wrong. And it's nice to be able to move them around. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later and kind of discuss a little bit about cycling your aquarium. But before that, guys, I'm going to talk about filtration. What is filtration itself? So by definition, filtration is a process used to separate solids from liquids or gases using a filter medium that allows the fluid to pass through, but not the solid. And the term filtration, it applies whether the fil filter is mechanical, biological, or physical. Now, there's three different types of filtration that are important to us in our aquariums. And usually our filtration systems, whether it be canister filter, internal filter, sponge filters, it's usually going to be a combination of multiple processes. And those types of filtration are mechanical filtration, chemical filtration, and biological filtration. And those three types of filtration, they are what we are gonna be concerned with all day long in our aquarium. It is super important to know what they all are and where they all fit in, in terms of our whole filtration process. Because if you don't have your filtration set up right, and you have those perhaps in the wrong order, or you're not using them correctly, or you're using the wrong ones predominantly for the type of fish that you have and the bio load and the waste that they produce, well, they're not gonna be effective. And what we want is a nice effective filtration system because the more effective it is, we can generally make it smaller or neater. It means that we have to do less water changes, less maintenance. So an effective and efficient filtration system will not only reduce the amount of work that we have to do generally as fish keepers, it will prevent problems by stopping our fish from getting sick. It'll prevent chemical buildups in your aquarium. It'll prevent chemicals from entering your aquarium in the first place, really important as well, which a lot of people forget about. And it will just keep your fish happy and healthy. And water is the most important thing in our aquarium. It's not the fish themselves because when we're keeping fish, we're not really keeping the fish themselves. We're keeping water and we're just feeding the fish. And if you keep the water right for your fish, you'll generally never have to worry about them. And that was that was kind of a eureka moment for me in fish keeping when I realized it wasn't fish keeping at all, it was keeping water. I was informed that the water I was keeping was wrong for my fish. And I was like, how is the water 
wrong for my fish. And this was kind of before, <laughs> I'm doing this 20 years now, so this was before internet was kind of widely available. There was no fish keeping resources there. And even now with all the resources that we do have online, it can be difficult to get the information, accurate information we're looking for. And um, when we're, and then there's such a wide variety of opinions and, and it can be hard to really kind of gather what we need for our particular setup. So that's why I want to go deep dive on this and discuss all aspects of it. And you know what? The first thing I'm going to talk about, guys, is chlorine. Because chlorine is actually the first thing that we want to filter out of our aquariums. And I'm going to talk about why it's it's something we need to worry about, why it's in the water, what it is, and the effect it has on our fish. Because as far as I'm concerned, the water that comes out of our taps is actually already poisonous for our fish. It is not suitable to go into an aquarium. And the reason behind that is, is because your local authority who has to make sure that your water gets safely to you needs to ensure that when it comes out of the tap, it, it comes out that way. It comes out safe. And we as humans can consume a, you know, a reasonable amount of chlorine before it has any effect on us. But the, the amount of chlorine that we can consume and be fine and safe is absolutely fatal to your fish and the bacteria and everything that lives in your aquarium and we need to make sure that we're treating the water that comes out of our taps as poisonous that chlorine is super poisonous now if you're on a well you might be like oh well i don't have any chlorine in my water there are other contaminants in the water beyond chlorine we won't get into them too much but heavy metals and different things that can exist in the water they'll exist both in tap water quite often and also can, they can exist pretty high in high concentrations in well water and again safe for humans but not safe for your fish and if you've got particular fish like sturgeon and stuff like that if there's any amount of copper in your water they can be dead so you have to be really careful and you do need to chemically filter your water and we're going to get into that now shortly but we're going to get back to chlorine now chlorine's added to your tap water like i said by your local authority to keep you safe now we can handle as far as the who the CDC and the EU are concerned, up to about five parts per million chlorine in our water, which is a huge amount compared to what our fish are able to withstand and handle. Now, the levels that you'll normally have in your water, will well, they should range between 0.2 parts per million and 0.5 parts per million. So, you know, from kind of one-fifth to about a half a part per million parts of water which seems like a really small amount and yeah it is for us but it's not for the creatures that live in that water and the function of it in the water is to kill bacteria and microorganisms that live in our pipes that live in the pipes which your water's flowing through because quite often if you know those pipes can be old they can be really disgusting so for the water to get out of the end of the tap your faucet wherever you are fresh and safe it needs to not have those microorganisms in it that bacteria that needs to be killed off and that's the job of chlorine. Chlorine exists in two formats. We've got free chlorine which is really dangerous and that is ready to kill bacteria, that is ready to kill microorganisms. It's in a it's in a form that will just de destroy the cells on contact. It'll burn them and it will can get into the cells and break down enzymes, prevent cell function. It will kill them, but it will burn them. So that's free chlorine. Then you've got combined chlorine. So after that chlorine is interacted with orga inorganic matter, you've got chlorine which is kind of being used up a little bit and that is now called combined chlorine because it's combined with that inorganic matter and it's now 
not as kind of vicious as it was before, but still not good and it can still have really negative effects in waterways and water systems and on our fish and systems. And the two of those together are called total chlorine, which makes sense. It's Total chlorine is the amount of combined chlorine and free chlorine that's in any body of water. Now, our local authorities who are looking after our water, they need to make sure that the water is getting all the way to your tap, no matter what, with free chlorine in it. Otherwise, pockets of bacteria and microorganisms are going to build up. So when they add it in at source, at the start of the line, that is so much chlorine in it that even when you're at the end of the line, you will have free chlorine in your water. And that means that we all have to deal with this. We all have to make sure that we're filtering our water before it goes into our aquariums. And the type of filtration that we're going to use on that is chemical filtration. We're going to talk about that now in a minute. But before we do, I just want to talk about the effects of chlorine on your fish. Because chlorine is absolutely horrendous. If you keep Daphnia, which is a little tiny, tiny creature that we quite often keep as a live food that we can breed in cultures to feed the small fish, Daphnia is super sensitive to it. And like that, if you breed Daphnia, you'll probably know you should use aged aquarium water. So old water from your aquarium, take some out and put that in. The reason behind that is the free chlorine, if any ever got into your aquarium in the first place, which hopefully it didn't because you've done your chemical filtration, and we're going to talk about that again in a minute. But you should have done your chemical filtration. And now because it's been in the water a while, any of that free chlorine will have become combined chlorine. And it's basically not going to have an effect. Because Daphnia can actually be killed off at 0.017 parts per million. Expect half of your Daphnia culture to be wiped out overnight within 24 hours. So 0.017. It's absolutely insane. There was tests done on rainbow trout and what was reported was that free chlorine rate to 0.4 to 0.5 parts per million again considered safe and acceptable by the who cdc and eu that amount of chlorine in the water caused acute hypertrophy hyperplasia and really significantly reduced arterial po2 and massive amounts of excessive mucus on the gills so essentially what that means is it burned them it burned the cells it made the cells swell think about a bur if you've ever been burnt on your skin as a person you'll know that it, it gets swollen so you've got your your hypo hypertrophy where your cells all get swollen hyperplasia you've got all these extra cells kind of coming in now as well and the excessive mucus well, the excessive mucus is actually going to cover up the gills and it's going to prevent the gills from being able to do gas exchange it's going to prevent your fish from breeding and that's that ar reduced arterial PO2. That's the reduced amount of oxygen in your fish's bloodstream, which means they are not getting all of the oxygen they need to all of their bodily cells to make those cells be able to perform and function as they should. So you're going to start seeing some really nasty effects on your fish quite quickly. And those effects are definitely worth knowing because you will, if you see that happening after you add water um, or shortly after you add water, you need to be very, very you know mindful of this and jump in and take action because your fish, if if they get their gills burnt, it's going to cause massive issues down the line. And just imagine the pain of that. That's going to be really, really horrible for them. So burnt gills, if, they, if, if their gills get burnt, they may be gasping at the surface for air because the surface is the part of the water that, that they're going to be kept in, which is the most amount of dissolved oxygen because the water itself has gas transfer with the air. So right up at the surface is where the most amount of oxygen will be. And they might be up there initially and kind of go, they look like they're sucking air. And you might think, oh, they're hungry, but 
you have to be careful because they might be doing that because they're not getting enough oxygen because their gills are burnt. Again, you've got that excessive mucus and it's causing trouble for them. Then it, the gills themselves, you might actually be at the cedar gills. They can be massively inflamed. They can be a really dark, dark red or else they can even be purple because they're just really, really burnt. Or you might even see excessive mucus. And if you can see excessive mucus, it's really, really not good. And then they might end up getting to a point because of that where they're bottom sitting because they're really low on energy. The, their insides have been burnt, so they're not eating. And, you know, they could end up dead. And it's actually, the, they're all the same symptoms as ammonia burns. We we're going to talk about ammonia later on, but um, same symptoms. So worth bearing in mind, um, if you've just done a big water change and you see that, that could be because of chlorine in the water. And you can test for chlorine. There are really simple... Uh, test strips you can get to test chlorine levels in your water you basically don't want to see any of it and like I said the way that we remove that is through chemical filtration so we're going to talk about chemical filtration now so chemical filtration there's two primary methods that we'll be able to use to do chemical filtration and most fish keepers are going to be familiar with one or other or both but we're going to talk about how they work and what they do so the first one would be by adding things like dechlorinator. Now dechlorinator, if you have it like the, the likes of Prime or the likes of Tap Safe or anything like that, you'll know that it says it makes tap water safe for fish. And the main thing that it does is it combines to chlorine and heavy metals. And the other thing that it combines to is chloramine. And chloramine is essentially ammonia, which is also being added by your local authority to prevent the chlorine from gassing off. Now, the reason I believe that pretty much all water should be chemically filtered before it goes into the aquarium is because some people will just age their water. And the, the process of aging water is simple. You just put the water into a big bucket and you put an air stone into it. And as the air is pumping up, the chlorine itself, the free chlorine, can actually gas off. That can evaporate essentially out of the top of the water and that is just re being released and the free chlorine that's gone that ages and it goes and it could be gone after the day but if you age your water you're not going to remove chloramines chloramines are that combined ammonia and chlorine which is added in purposely by your local authority because of the fact that chlorine gases off and they don't want the chlorine to gas off throughout the system they want it to stay there so chlor chloramine is when they add ammonia and that can't be gassed off so if you're aging water you're still going to have to add a small amount of dechlorinator because dechlorinator will also filter out your chloramines it will bind to it and what it does is it actually binds to those toxins heavy metals chemicals in the water chlorines chloramines and all the rest it binds to them and it makes them it turns them into a form that the, is not going to be harmful to bacteria or harmful to your fish and that's the reason that we add dechlorinator or tap safe or prime or whatever one of those you want to use whatever the brand is when you add that to your tap water it will make it safe now i prefer to add it before it goes into the water where or tank or pond wherever at all possible if i'm using it and i'm adding in new water so i prefer to add dechlorinator before it even goes into my aquariums ponds whatever i'm using it on and doing my water changes on beforehand do it beforehand because that way you know that there was never free chlorine in your aquarium, pond, tank, whatever it is that you're setting up or adding your new water to. 
I'm generally a buckets guy with my aquariums because um, two reasons. My faucet doesn't really accept the python, which is um, kind of a long tube you can connect to the tap and it will actually pump water from the tap into your aquarium. It's super handy. But the thing is, if you're putting it the water through a python into your aquarium, say for example, you're going to add free chlorine into the aquarium. So what I'd recommend is put the dechlorinator in the aquarium just before you turn on the hose and get your python going. Try not do it afterwards if you can help it because if you can prevent the free chlorine from interacting with anything in the water, including your fish and their gills, better. Better, and if the dechlorinator is already in there, it will be available to bind to the chlorine, chloramines, the heavy metals, all that nasty stuff in the water, and you've chemically filtered it, so it's not going to affect your fish. But me, I put a couple of drops into my bucket, swish it round, and I know it's, you know, it's, it's after binding to all of the nasty chemicals, I've chemically treated the water, it goes into the into my aquarium, and it's all good. Now, on my ponds, I tend not to use as much dechlorinator um, because it can get quite expensive. What I use instead is activated carbon. Now, activated carbon, you might be more familiar with it from the likes of like Brita and jug filters for your water. So you put your water out of your faucet or your tap into it, and it filters down through a little carbon block in a house in a piece of plastic and it fills up your jug and the water is nice and clean and refreshing and tasty and it's got all the nasty chemicals removed from it. You have just chemically filtered your water. And activated carbon is amazing. Humans have actually been aware of the benefits of it and its filtering properties for about 2,400 years now. And it's, it's essentially anything with carbon in it, when it's burnt to a certain point, it will produce activated carbon. Depending on what that material is, it will have a different pore density. The size of the tiny holes in it will be different. And that is why it's amazing at what it does. Activated carbon is completely full of tiny, tiny holes, which then each all have an inner surface. And because of that, it has a massive surface area. One of the largest surface areas for any substance known to man. In fact, a gram of activated carbon, like good quality stuff, will have a thousand square meter area of surface. It's unbelievable, it's absolutely amazing. And the reason it works, and it can chemically filter out all that nasty stuff. So say if your tap water is pretty nasty, so you want fresh water, you put it into your jug, and it goes down through it. What's happening is the water is running through that quite slowly, and you'll notice it just drips out quite slowly. That's important, we're gonna discuss the flow rate quite shortly. But it flows through slowly, and as it's doing that, it's passing over all of the surface of the activated carbon. And activated carbon works through adsorption, not absorption like roots on a plant which absorb nutrients from the water and suck water in and all the good stuff. This is adsorption. It's where things actually stick in a solution to the surface of that material. And what it does amazingly well is it makes things like chlorine and chemicals actually stick to its surface. And because it has such a large surface area, it has the capacity to actually adsorb quite a lot of it and quite readily. So I was talking about that it runs through quite slowly. There's a maximum rate that you're going to want to use. So I have my hose out in my backyard hooked up to an activated carbon block. It's in a plastic container and the water flows up through the middle of that. It has to flow out of that by passing through a, a 
big block of activated carbon and that is quite big that's that's got a like the surface area inside of that is just colossal i mean if a gram is about the same size as a football pitch this thing could be you know 200 grams so it's massive the surface area is massive and it's high quality and high quality ones will always have a you know allow water to flow through more readily while having a better surface area because of the way that the holes are in it the way the structure of those is and the density of those pores the water flows out of my tap down through the hose into the plastic container it goes has to pass through that carbon and then it goes into my pond and by the time it flows through it removes about 95 percent of the free chlorine and all the heavy metals and contaminants so i only need to use a very tiny 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 amount of dechlorinator a really reduced amount and I don't have to worry about spending all my money on dechlorinator, which is fantastic. And the other thing it does is it allows me to leave it on constantly trickling a very small amount of water into my pond all the time. And then I have fresh, so I know I've got fresh water going in all the time and I have the same rate of old water going out all the time. So if I wanted, I could turn over my pond a couple of times over the course of the day. I don't need to do that, but if I really needed to, I could do that quite slowly because the rate that it flows out of the tap or, and through that carbon the ideal rate is about two to four liters per minute no faster if you go faster than that what happens is the water moves through it at a rate where the chemicals don't have time to adsorb to the surface of it it's moving through just too quickly so the chlorine it doesn't stick to the surface it just passes by it that's really important to know because we're going to talk about the different types of filters later on so not filtration but the filters themselves and you can put carbon into your filter, but if you put it in and you've got a massive flow rate moving through your filter, well, it's not going to be very effective at adsorbing any chemicals that you want to remove. And the next way that you might want to get rid of chemicals in an aquarium is because you've actually added them in after you've added clean, fresh tap water. Think of medication, say, for example. You might be medicating for something, but it may have run its course and still be in the water, or perhaps you've decided it's having no effect, you need to change the medication. You can't just go adding medication on top of medication on top of medication indiscriminately because you can end up killing your fish quite quickly. You need to make sure that that medication is gone a lot of the time before you put new medication in. And that is where carbon comes into play and its chemical filtration can work really well. Again, like I said, you can put carbon in different forms and it does come in different forms. You can get granules of it, you can get blocks of it like I have outside that my tap water runs through and um, from the hose you can get pads of it and um, like foam pads which have been impregnated with it either way as long as you have that so that the water can flow through or over it well it will adsorb chemicals from that water again there's a flow rate that works well so if you have a really powerful canister filter whether it's internal external hang on back whatever it is no matter what type of setup you've got if you've got the water flowing through that carbon really quickly it's not going to be super effective so sometimes it can actually be just as effective to remove medication from the water to actually put in a bag of activated carbon granules in an area where there's just a slightly reduced rate of flow because that way the water passing over and around it has time and you can just move that around and try get it into different areas so that you can get all of the water pass over it multiple times 
and remove that from it. Because if you've got really powerful filters, if you're turning over your aquarium like 10 times an hour, chances are you're not gonna be able to get the water flowing over that in a way that allows it to just have the time to be adsorbed to your carbon filter. So that's always worth bearing in mind when you're using carbon blocks to remove medication and stuff from the water. The other thing worth bearing in mind is even though they have a massive surface area for their size, that will eventually all get used up. And if you leave your carbon block in your water indefinitely, so if you get a filter and it's got a carbon part of it, so it's got a carbon sponge or it's got carbon granules and you just leave those in it indefinitely and you kind of give them a little bit of a rinse off every now and again, but you kind of leave them in there, well, they're actually going to end up being completely saturated and can actually start leaching the chemicals back out into the water. So at that point, they're not removing chemicals from your water, they're actually leaching the chemicals back in. So it's worth bearing in mind that you can't leave them in and definitely they will have a lifespan and that will kind of depend on the amount of, you know, chemicals that are actually in the water, clearly. But you can reactivate that carbon, maybe not 100% as effective as it was originally, but to a good extent by actually taking that carbon out and placing it into hot to boiling water uh, or else you can what you can do is you can put it into say for example a colander clean colander and pour hot boiling water over it uh, or really hot water and the heat the agitated molecules will help just lift all the chemicals off of the surface of the carbon and reactivate it but you need to do that multiple times and do it over and over and it will eventually kind of clear out that carbon pull all the chemicals off it but if i'm gonna do that what i tend to do is only use that on carbon that I know is being used for kind of clearing out chlorine and stuff, maybe not so much for medications because it's not 100% effective and I don't want medications being leached back into the water specifically because medications over the long term, we might not know their effects or they may interact with other things or cause issues so um, and may harm your, you know, your biological filter and stuff. So, so if I'm using it for the removal of medication, I'm just a little bit more cautious. I probably won't try to reactivate that one. But generally, no problem in reactivating your carbon, but just realize that you can only do that so many times and after that, it won't be effective anymore. So carbon, absolutely brilliant. Removes chlorine. It's a great way of chemically filtering the water. Now, imagine if that carbon was all to get covered in fish poop. That'd be no good because then the water wouldn't be able to effectively flow through it and it wouldn't be able to adsorb all the chemicals or whatever. That's no good. That's no good a scenario at all. So what we want to do is we want to prevent waste from actually reaching our carbon if we've got it in there, but also our biological filtration. We're gonna discuss biological filtration last, actually. We'll discuss that last. I wanna talk about mechanical filtration because most people want to achieve clear water. And clear water is amazing. It's what we all strive for. We didn't get into fish keeping to pet the fish generally. And generally you absolutely shouldn't. But we got into it because we want to see our fish. We want to create a setup where we can admire our fish. It is purely for aesthetic purposes. They make us feel better. We can interact with them if we can see them, but we can't if we don't. And that's why we want to keep really nice, clean, clear tanks generally. And most people when they see a beautiful tank that's really clear water they're just blown away whether they're into fish keeping or not you can't deny its beauty and it's something that we all know as fish keepers it can be hard to achieve so how we generally will achieve that will be primarily through mechanical filtration and mechanical filtration is kind of the process whereby we remove 
particles of waste from the water column. And that waste is going to be your fish poop or bits of food. And I'm going to talk a little bit about bits of food getting into your filter because that's that's a bugbear of mine and, <laughs> and I don't think it's kind of expressed well enough generally. It's really not good if and is best avoided. But your mechanical filter is there and it's designed for the water to pass through, catch bits of food, catch bits of waste, all the different stuff that we don't want in the water that's going to make it look cloudy and murky and dirty. And that gets stuck there and the water flows through and comes out the far side. So that's how we mechanically filter the water. And that's basically all that we're trying to achieve. Now, if you can imagine, if you've got big fish like goldfish or koi and they're producing logs, like the waste they produce, like I've got koi and, and they poop like proper finger-sized poops, that's going to block up a really fine mechanical filter quite quickly. So if you have something like floss, Filter floss is going to scrub your water. It's going to get rid of really fine particles and water's going to flow out the far side and the little tiny particles are going to get caught in it. If you have that in the first layer, that's going to get blocked really quickly and the water just won't be able to pass through. So generally what we'll have is kind of a coarse layer that big pieces of waste will get caught, but water can still pass through. And then behind that layer, we'll have maybe a finer media. We'll have sponge say for example you know because that's generally what people are going to use in their filters now it's not the only thing you can use and we'll talk about other options later on but say for example we're using sponges because that's what most people are going to have in their filters your first sponge it's nice and coarse your second sponge it's a little bit finer the holes aren't as big so it traps smaller pieces of waste and any of the bigger bits of waste that are getting broken down well they're going to break down a little bit and move into this and they'll get caught there and then the water will pass through and then finer bits are getting pulled in through that bit as well so we need those to get caught and to get rid of all of that out of the water means that you have to have lots and lots of layers perhaps and really fine filters now if you've got tiny 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 fish if you've got a very you know low density low stocking situation where you've only got a couple of small tiny tropical fish in in a large aquarium this isn't so much a concern because the waste is not going to block up your filter very quickly. If you've got big fish, if, if you've got messy fish, big carnivorous fish that produce big poops, even the likes of goldfish, any fish with a really kind of poor metabolism. And I talked about in the last episode, feeding goldfish, the way their digestive system processes food and the way it gets broken down. It's not very efficient. They produce lots of poop. It moves through them quickly. That's going to block up your filter quite quickly. It's not going to happen though in certain aquariums. If, you're, if you've got shrimp, you don't need to worry about that. Their poops are tiny. If you and they're much more efficient. If you've got, you know, like I said, little tiny tropical fish, their metabolisms tend to burn fast, but they tend to be a bit more efficient at actually using all of the nutrients in their food. They're not going to make as much of a mess. So they're not going to block up big sponge filters um, or really fine filters, I should say, very very quickly. So it's easier with those to create clear water. Big messy fish, you're going to have to have lots and lots of this filter medium all of this mechanical you know sponges of different densities and getting finer and finer and finer um, and you need it to be a big surface area as well because otherwise it's going to get blocked up really quickly otherwise you're just going to have to do tons and tons of maintenance where you're constantly taking that out constantly rinsing them off and that's just going to be extra work for you so mechanical filtration it's designed to remove those particles from the water or at least trap them so that we can remove them later and then let the water flow through 
and that's going to create clear water and like i said clear water it's something that our fish don't generally need most of the fish that we have actually come from bodies of water that are kind of murky or silty or you know discus keepers will keep um the the most amazing clear water tanks that just look like you're looking out a window but the discus the environments where they come from they can quite often be kind of a bit murky and they've got sediment in them and they they're they're not as clear as our discus are being afforded in our aquariums and like that you know your carp and your koi and stuff when was the last time you went to a lake or river and went whoa i can see 50 feet down and um, you know maybe if you were in like bled or somewhere recently or somewhere like that yeah but most water um is not clear water it's a fraction of a percentage of the world's overall freshwater volume so what we're providing for our fish is not what they usually have in nature and it's it's great it looks really really good but don't think that murky water is going to have the same effect on your fish and it's going to affect them it's going to prevent them from finding food if your water's murky every fish in the tank generally has the same it's an even keel they they have the same opportunity to find food if you've got blind fish they can survive quite readily normally fine as long as they're not being out competed for food it's just that in nature when the water's murky or filled with algae it's all green the bottom of a deep lake and it's really dark um or a murky river all the fish are in like i said in the same boat essentially they're all dealing with the fact that that that's murky and they're not going to be out competing each other for food so there won't be one that can just miraculously see and they've got other senses as well amazing senses um you know like a, a tastes and smells and hearing and all sorts of stuff and they've got lateral lines and senses that we can't even imagine so they don't necessarily need to be able to see super clear but we like it so that's what we're doing we're doing mechanical filtration to get things really nice and clear but it also has the added bonus of making sure that the waste doesn't go through and like that if we have a carbon filter reaching the carbon filter and clogging that up because remember if the water can flow effectively through your carbon filter it's gonna just prevent it from adsorbing the chemical so we don't want that covered in waste so in your setup you're gonna want your carbon filters after all of your mechanical filtration is done the other thing that we're gonna want to do with our me mechanical filtration is have that before our biological filtration now biological filtration is essentially the process of converting ammonia into nitrites and nitrates and making it less toxic for our fishes because our fish are excreting waste which is getting broken down and that waste that gets trapped in your mechanical filtration or is just sitting in your aquarium or pond or wherever it is you're keeping your fish that waste is turning into ammonia i'm gonna talk about ammonia i've done a blog post on it definitely worth looking at if you're if you're not really familiar you probably know ammonia is horrible and it's not supposed to be in the fish tank or pond and on the fish keeping forums aquarium keepers will be like, oh you can't have ammonia because it's super toxic if you know what ammonia is and what it does to your fish trust me you're going to be less inclined to want it there at any point and our biological filter is essentially to remove ammonia converted into less harmful substances and that's nitrites and nitrates now i've had a couple of personal dealings with ammonia which i can't say i enjoyed at all in fact they have made me much more appreciative of just how bad fish have it if there's ammonia in the aquarium or pond it's really horrendous so the first time that i ever dealt with ammonia was interrailing years ago like years ago when i was in my teens with a couple of buddies and it's basically where you go traveling around europe to different kind of cities on trains and we spent the month doing it. it was great but we were in budapest and the guys were using a public restroom 
we were just waiting outside and a couple of cleaners went in and they were all garbed up like head to toe, like massive big rubber gloves, masks, the whole lot. And um, they had a couple of canisters with them and all of a sudden the guys came bursting out, coughing and screaming and this big kind of puff of smoke kind of came out after them. And we ran over to see if they were okay and I got this puff of smoke in my eyes and mouth and it immediately started to burn me. And what had happened was the cleaners went in and they used ammonia, which normally exists in a gas form, and they sprayed it round. And the ammonia, it basically destroys cells on contact. It just burns them. It just destroys them. And they went in spraying that to kill any of the like, dirty scum and bacteria and microorganisms that were living in that dirty restroom, that just a filthy public restroom that the guys had to use. And... They really should have given the guys some warning because they they just got a blast of it. Eyes, nose, mouth. And what happens is when ammonia as a gas, it reaches water, it becomes so, so dangerous. It becomes ammonia hydroxide. And ammonia hydroxide is just going to burn whatever cells it touches. So if you've got a bit of ammonia gas on your hand, if your hand wasn't, you know, covered in sweat or water, it wouldn't be... It wouldn't be anywhere near as bad as the idea of getting it like on your eyes, nose, or mouth because it's going to hit those mucous membranes and it's going to immediately turn to ammonia hydroxide and it's going to start to burn. And that's what happened to me and that's what happened to the guys. It burnt their eyes, it burnt their nose, it burnt their mouth and it can be really severe. And like if it goes into your lungs, it can burn your lungs. In the water, that's what's going to happen to your fish. The ammonia, which... which happens when it's going to happen all the time in your aquarium because the reason it's there is it is a byproduct of your fish's waste as organic matter breaks down it will turn into ammonia in the aquarium so if you've got a dead fish it will turn it it will break down become ammonia as the food breaks down it becomes ammonia because that was it's made of organic matter that was plants and animals and living things at one point which is being changed into food through processes as your fish make waste, so they're processing that food further, it will make it into a form which can easily become ammonia. And we need to make sure that that ammonia is, is eradicated there as quickly as possible. And what we need to do is we need to change that into less harmful substances. Those substances are nitrites and nitrates. Now, that happens because of our biological filter. That's our good bacteria that we add in. And there are tons and tons of types of good bacteria. There's usually a couple of good bacteria that are discussed, but there's actually hundreds of, of good nitrifying bacteria, which we can, luckily enough, purchase really, really easily in a bottle or in a gel or in a, in a lump of kind of jelly. And we can add that into our aquarium. But what it does is it adds in all of these different bacteria, which basically they use ammonia as their energy source and when they do they convert it so they'll have to oxidize that and change the format they'll take a part of that ammonia and make it less toxic and they'll make it nitrite but nitrite in itself is still toxic luckily enough another type of nitrifying bacteria that will eat nitrites that will use that that will that will perform processes on it and that will make it nitrate and nitrate luckily is much much less harmful and also has the added benefit of being easily absorbed by plant roots. Not adsorbed, doesn't stick to their surface. It actually gets sucked into those plant roots. It gets absorbed and that's used for processes within the plant's body because nitrogen, that's really important. 
um, for plant growth. So anybody who does kind of aquaponics and stuff like that, they'll know your plants are going to love all that nitrogen. It's going to really help them grow. And the way that bacteria breaks down the ammonia into nitrites and then nitrates, it makes it a form that's quite efficient like for the plants to use. It's really, really readily usable for the plants. Problem is, your plants aren't going to be able to take it all out. So you may not have live plants at all. So it's going to build up. And even if you do have live plants, it's generally not going to be enough. Our, our system isn't going to be big enough to take out all of the nitrates. So we're going to need to remove that through water changes. And that's why there's no water changes system. Just top it off. Because if you do, as water evaporates, the water evaporates out of your system and just leaves a more and more condensed solution, which has all those nitrates still in it and all of the nastiness still in it, and that can build up the toxic levels for your fish. So you don't want to do that. You don't want to make it a really nasty solution that you haven't taken anything out of. You want to be chemically treating fresh water, which we know has no ammonia, no nitrates, no heavy metals, no chlorine, none of that stuff, and get that back in so that it's diluted the mixture down so your nitrate levels are less parts per million again. You, you don't want much of it in your aquarium at all. So that's, that's basically your biological filtration process we are really lucky because that bacteria it wants to colonize every single surface in the aquarium now that can be your your sponges in your aquarium so it's going to grow a little bit on all of all of your sponges and the inside of your filter the walls of your aquarium the substrate whether it be sand stones bare bottom rocks plants plastic plants ornaments they all get a little bit slimy that's good bacteria which is living all over it and that's just using tiny bits of ammonia that your fish are excreting now ammonia can't exist in parts per million we don't want to be able to read that in the aquarium in parts per million at all it's really important that when we feed our fish quite shortly afterwards they will start to create ammonia through excreting and through their gills and we need the bacteria to be there and ready to go so that it will immediately remove that or remove it as quickly as possible because ammonia just like chlorine it will burn your fish's gills all of the same symptoms and like that so if you've had um, an issue with your tank where you haven't recently done any water changes but you see those earlier symptoms that i mentioned the really red dark red purple gills gas at the surface bottom sitting not eating for days and potentially dead fish well that can be from ammonia that can happen quite quickly once your good bacteria colony dies off now like i said we can get that in a bottle we can top we can put that into a cream it takes a while when we put that into our cream for that to actually cling onto things when you put that into your aquarium first it's going to be free floating in the water and that is lots of it's going to die off in the water it won't be getting ammonia it won't be in the right place it won't be set up right and it's actually really fragile and so what a lot of people don't realize is that your good bacteria is essentially the most important creature in your aquarium and it's super fragile it doesn't like big temperature swings it doesn't you know and again it's not just one type of bacteria it's it's nitrifying bacteria in a bunch of different types and some of those will convert ammonia and some of those will convert nitrites into nitrates but there's a load of different types that are working harmoniously and they're all pretty sensitive to change so we want to be really careful that we're not shocking them the same as we don't want to shock our fish we need to think about them when we're doing water changes don't add chlorine because that chlorine will kill them and whereas they can eat ammonia they can't survive chlorine and that's one of the main reasons as far as i'm concerned for making sure that you add the chlorinator because not only you're going to hurt your fish that may combine with organic matter and everything and if you've got small levels of chlorine it might not be in the water to the point where it's going to really cause 
um, damage to your fish, it'll still have sublethal effects where it's still hurting the fish, but it's it will readily be able to destroy the bacteria, which is your good biological filter, your good bacteria. And if that happens, all of a sudden you have nothing to break down the ammonia and you'll get an ammonia spike. And remember, whereas your fish can tolerate a very small amount of chlorine before it kills them, you can't have ammonia visible in your tank on per, on the parts per million scale. It's just, it's too dangerous. It burns the cells too much. It's absolutely horrendous. And the second experience that I had with ammonia, actually, it was in fish keeping. I was looking after some koi ponds and I went to the filter on it and it was a big box filter and I could tell the water was really disgusting. It was putrid and I could smell it. Ammonia, you can actually smell it. If you've got a stinky tank, and actually that's another way you can use chemical filtration chemical filtration may help remove odors um, so sometimes adding a little bit of um, dechlorinator can help remove it can bind with a small amount of ammonia but it's not going to and make it less toxic it's not the same as your biological filtration so you can't use it indefinitely and you still need to water change you can also use activated carbon and that will adsorb some chemicals which cause smells in the aquarium but generally if you have smells in your water it's because you're, it's most likely because your good bacteria or your biological filtration is not adequate or it has been killed off and it shouldn't smell like that. It's time to do water changes and reestablish your good bacteria colony. But anyway, I digress. My, when I was dealing with that pump, I went and I opened it and I knew the water was disgusting and I could see that it got completely clogged up with food that got into the filter before the fish reading it. Now, I talked a little bit about this earlier on. And have a big issue with food getting into filters before it goes through your fish. When your fish eats the food, it will break it down. It will throw enzymes onto it. And it will put bile on it. It will put bacterial work on it. And it will break it down, down, down. It'll break down fibers and it'll break down the proteins. It'll break down different aspects. And when it comes out the far end, it, it has been really broken down. Even in fish like goldfish, which are, you know, less efficient, it's been broken down. So... The format in which it in makes the ammonia much more readily available for your bacteria, your good bacteria to use. If that food gets caught up on the filter, the way that starts breaking down is different. And I talked about this in Feeding Goldfish in episode 2. Food that starts breaking down, it doesn't digest, it doesn't break down that same way, it starts to rot. And when it rots, it, it actually causes a much more significant ammonia spike. It can go fungus, it can go really nasty, and that can happen in your filter quite quickly because the bacteria that are in our systems, that good nitrifying bacteria, it's not efficient at breaking down that food in that format. It needs that food to be broken down in advance. So I always say, don't, and I've heard of people turning off their filters when they're feeding. If you do that, you're going to starve all of your good bacteria because your good bacteria, they need oxygen. Now there are forms that work anaerobically but generally the bacteria that we're using in our system they're going to want oxygen and if they get blocked if there's no fresh water flowing over those with a little bit of ammonia that they want to eat in it um, and again as that as the waste that's trapped on your mechanical filter is passing through generally what will happen is that will start to become ammonia which your good bacteria can remove and use and utilize and they're going to need oxygen as well like i said if everything's blocked up in there and that that good bacteria will die off so you can't let it get to a point where the water's not efficiently flowing through and you don't want to just get an all clogged up with food because the other thing that can happen is if your 
filter turns off for whatever reason. And that can happen because of a power outage. I've had that happen. And it's one of the reasons I'm going to talk about later on. I'm not super keen on using canister filters in my setups. Even though my local power grid is quite safe and, and it's, it's quite reliable. If your filter turns off and there's no water moving through it, all of your good bacteria in your filter are going to die. And if that happens and the power comes back on, and that can happen during the night when you're asleep and you might not even realize, that will give the bacteria a chance to die and then just get shot out all around the aquarium. And then you have an ammonia spike because there's no good bacteria. And that good bacteria itself is also breaking down and becoming ammonia, which there's no good bacteria to deal with. And then obviously you have a big ammonia spike in your aquarium or your pond or whatever it is and your fish are starting to suffer from ammonia burns and ammonia toxicity. So that can happen in your filter if you've got like an electrical canister filter or anything like that. You know, this is a really important creature in your tank. You really need to look after it. So it needs to be kept kind of clean. You don't want waste building up over the surface of it because it's going to reduce down the flow and just make it inefficient. The other thing that we want to do is, like I said, make sure that we're removing chlorine, that it's not in the water because it will kill it. Um, establishing it in the first place we die, like, like I said we'll do that by adding it in but every time you do maintenance on your filter you're going to kill some of that because like I said it is actually quite fragile it's not it's it's fussy it will die quite quickly and um, if you've got a canister filter the type of bacteria which is going to predominantly grow in there probably won't like UV rays so if you open the canister filter and you expose that to sunlight or whatever that sunlight will kill off some of the bacteria because sunlight does have UV rays and it does kill bacteria, that bacteria might die off a bit, and all of a sudden, it's not killed off all your bacteria, but it may have killed off some. Combine that with the fact that you're actually swishing out that um, filter, your filter pad, that will actually remove and kill some of the good bacteria as well, so you've got a little bit less. If you squeeze that too vigorously, you're going to be removing plenty of good bacteria as well, and if you use tap water, clean water, that will have chlorine, that will kill all of your good bacteria. And now all of a sudden you have none. So you're going to have an immediate ammonia spike. You want your filter off for the shortest amount of time possible. And you want to clean your media in water from the aquarium that is dechlorinated already. That we know is safe for the good bacteria. And you want to not do it too vigorously. And you want to try and minimize the exposure that that has outside of the filter itself. Because if it's grown in the filter, that's the optimal condition for it. So you have to treat it really carefully. Look after it. And if you've got big swings, whether it be in pH, whether it be in temperature, whatever it is in, you may need to add some extra bacteria back in to help recolonize and repopulate. Now, it will happen naturally over time, but you may have an ammonia spike in the meantime, unless you reduce down the volume of food you're giving to your fish. And that is one technique that you can use really effectively if you're dealing with ammonia spikes, is to reduce the amount of food that you're feeding your aquarium, because that is the biggest source of ammonia in your aquarium the food that's being given in there because it's being broken down by your fish or it's getting caught in the filter if you feed less there will be less ammonia that available in the aquarium or less waste to, available to become ammonia and you've reduced down the overall amount of ammonia so normally what you're going to want to do is feed the same amount of food all of the time because that's the amount of good bacteria that's the amount that the good bacteria can can handle if you feed extra food, there generally won't be enough good bacteria to handle that extra bit of ammonia that's being produced. It takes a while for that to colonize. So you can't just immediately decide, I'm going to feed extra food to the fish. Every bit of food that goes in there ends up becoming waste, which gets turned into ammonia, which needs to be utilized by good bacteria. 
if you add extra food all of a sudden out of nowhere, there won't be enough good bacteria to, to, to convert that into nitrates quick enough and it will stay as ammonia, which will burn your fish and, and do damage in your aquarium and get smelly and get nasty and all that kind of thing. So that's why if you're having issues with your tank and it's smelly and stuff like that, you're probably going to need to look into re-establishing your good bacteria. Now, you can test for ammonia, you can test for nitrites, and you can test for nitrates. And if you don't have the facility to do that and you don't want to do that or you're not able to do that, you, and it is quite simple. But again, there are tests that you need to purchase. Most local fish stores will do that free of charge. Now, what I'd say at the moment is, guys, we've still got COVID going on. Be careful. And it is always really good to be able to be self-sufficient in these things, especially if you're going to get more serious in your fish keeping because... These are the things that can go wrong really easily. Like I said, you could have a power outage overnight, which can kill off most of the good bacteria in your filter. And all of a sudden, you have an ammonia spike. But you you might not be able to tell. And all of a sudden, you're trying to figure out what's going on. And it can be really hard to diagnose issues with your aquariums unless you're testing your water and testing it regularly. And if you're going to get your water tested, guys, I would also recommend, and this is something I always recommend to the people who are, who are bringing water to me, don't just bring the water from the aquarium. Bring the water from your tap as well. And not just a random tap in the house. Use the tap that you actually use to get the water from for your aquarium or your pond. So if you're testing, if you want to get your pond water tested, also bring in water from the faucet out the back that you use. Because each tap will have water coming out with its own characteristics. It'll be a solution specific to that part of the system. So I always say bring some in, but bring it in quickly. Guys, use clean jars or clean bottles to bring in water and bring it in quickly because the longer it's in that the more temperature change it has the more organics dissolved in it it will change so by the time you leave that water in there a few hours you're not actually testing the same water that was in your aquarium or in your tap you're testing water which has been chemically changed it will change a bit the solution is going to be a bit different over time so i always say bring it in as quick as you can don't leave in the car for a couple of days and think, ah, oh, I must bring that in because you won't be testing that water. You'll be testing something at that stage completely different from what's in your aquarium. Trust me, it will not be the same. And the characteristics can end up actually being really, really crazy. You can see some crazy values on that. So it's worthwhile getting any water you're bringing in to get tested in as quickly as safely possible. Now, like I said, you can test for ammonia, you can test for nitrates, you can test for nitrates. And it is worthwhile having those tests on hand if at all possible but it's something you should get into the habit of doing because if you're feeding you will see an increase in nitrates after a short while if you've got an efficient system of good bacteria in your pond tank aquarium filter whatever your setup is you feed and then a while later that is converted by all that good bacteria into nitrites and you should see an increase in nitrite levels after a short period of time now the shorter the period of time the more efficient your filter is and then if you're doing water changes or if you've got lots of plants in your system those nitrate levels are going to start or nitrate levels are going to start being reduced as well so that's ammonia guys that is the main thing that we're filtering out with our good bacteria with our biological filtration system and it as far as i'm concerned is the most important creature in the tank if you're not looking after that every bit of waste that's being produced by the fish or alternatively their you know their their respirations and just their bodily functions they're all going to produce ammonia you're going to have ammonia levels in the tank and it will get really bad really quickly now there are systems which technically don't have filtration systems on them 
um, ponds and stuff like that, if you've got a large pond, you might not actually need a filter on it because it's so big, there is enough nitrifying bacteria in that system to handle the waste being produced and generally enough plant matter to absorb all of the nitrates that are being produced. So that will be a harmoniously balanced system. And we always talk about balance in fish keeping all the time. And a balanced system is like that where the amount of food going in is being converted into safe nitrates fast and efficiently by your bacteria and biological filtration system. And that's a balanced system. You need to make sure the water going in, first of all, is nice and clean and, and clear and that's through your chemical filtration. Then you've got your biological filtration, but that comes, like I said, after your mechanical filtration. So we want to make sure ideally that we've got mechanical filtration first. Now this is once the chemical filtration is done clearly and obviously we've got the water in, but in our filter, and yeah, let's talk about the filter systems because there's loads of different types. You're gonna want mechanical filtration first, then chemical filtration, and then biological filtration in that order. So one of the most basic types of filters is going to be a sponge filter. That's where we have air being pumped out of an air pump. And the great thing about that is you can run a whole room full of tanks off of one pump and really reduce the amount of power that you're using. And that air is going to get pumped in through a pipe. Now, if you can imagine, if you put a pipe into your aquarium and you put a hose into the end of it, that's going to push air up through it. Well, as the air is moving up, something has to kind of fill that. So water is going to move into that and move up it. If you put holes on the side of that pipe, that actually gives somewhere for the water to come in. So that's going to, as the air is going up, the water is going to go up with it and more water is going to flow in through the holes on the sides, go up, and it's going to create a circulating kind of system. That's the way it is underneath the sponge. The water has to flow through the sponge first before it reaches that center where air is coming up through this pipe in the middle and that is going to pull water through the sponge and up out the top with it. That's it. It's the simplest. It's the simplest filter. It really is. It's so, so simple. But it doesn't provide any mechanical filtration. A tiny bit perhaps on the very, very outside of it. But we actually don't want mechanical filtration happening with our sponge filters. That is essentially just a massive surface area for good bacteria to live on. It's just a biological filter. That is, that is its purpose. Its only purpose essentially is biological filtration. And that's what earlier on in the shout outs on Instagram, there were people who were saying, yeah, I use sponge filters. My water isn't perfectly clear, but my fish are super healthy because there's no ammonia in the system. It's really readily able to convert nitrites um, into nitrates. So you've got your nitrifying bacteria covering that sponge, super efficient, absolutely amazing. And I keep them in all of my goldfish tanks, my axolotl tank. Um, I keep them in all of them because they're super efficient. Now, like that they don't provide mechanical filtration. There's still poop in the aquarium. There's still waste in the aquarium. The mechan the other type of mechanical filtration you can do is to actually just remove it with a siphon. If the poop is there, it's visible. I can see it. It bothers me. I'm going to remove it. So I'm just going to go in and spend five minutes siphoning that out. One or two minutes filling up a bucket. Add my dechlorinator. Put that back in. I've done perhaps 5-10% water change. And it only took me 5-10 minutes I got to spend some time interacting with the fish, seeing how they are. I got rid of the waste. So there's actually less waste in that system, in that entire body of water now. There's almost no waste in it. it there are only fragments that we can't really see because of the fact that I've gone in and physically removed them. That compared to most other filters is going to be the system which is going to have you know the least amount of ammonia in it 
anyway. Because as the fish are pooping, you're taking it out. Most other systems are going to involve mechanical filtration, which actually traps the poop in an area which you'll then later remove. But as long as it's in the aquarium, it's going to be breaking down and it's going to be able to become ammonia. So again, if you've got an issue with a canister filter, whether it be hang on back internal or a sump filter or any filter that's in the body of water, which mechanically traps waste. If you have an issue with that and it goes off and that starts back up again, all that waste has been in there producing ammonia all this time in that system, it turns back on and it shoots it all around the aquarium and can just add instant, super toxic, super fatal, lethal amounts of ammonia into the system. That's why I like to remove it all as I'm going. And I know I'll never have waste build up in my aquarium to the point where ammonia levels are gonna hurt my fish. So that works for me, but does it keep the water super, super clear? Well, not unless you're really, really, really on top of it. And it depends on your fish. I got big messy goldfish. They're eating their poop and they're eating their poop and they're eating their poop. And so I'm in there cleaning regularly. I work from home. I can do that. I have that facility and I'm into it. Look, I'm doing a, <laughs> I'm doing a fish keeping podcast. I'm clearly into it. So I'm putting all this effort in that you, first of all, just may not be interested in putting that much effort in. It might not be your thing. The other thing is you may not be able to. That's completely fine. Guys, either scenario, I get that because in my life, I've been in both those scenarios where I couldn't put the time I'm putting in now or, you know, I've been there where I just, I needed a break. I couldn't deal with these high maintenance systems. And that's, you know, a canister filter for the best part is going to work just fine. But you need to be aware that when you're cleaning out your mechanical filter, that you're again, you're going to be able to remove some of your good bacteria and you may need to replenish that. You may need to top it off. And the different parts of that, again, if you have issues and um, you can't leave your carbon filter in there too long don't leave it in there indefinitely you may need to reactivate it and you know just regular cleaning of your mechanical um, sponges to make sure that they don't get blocked up because as they get blocked up less water can pass through which means that they're less efficient so whatever level of efficiency they had when you started it um, and things are moving through all right well it's going to have less efficiency the less water is moving through it okay maybe your carbon filter might appreciate the lower flow rate but None of the rest of it will, including your good bacteria, which means it's easier for ammonia to build up. So sponge filters, they work for me really, really well. But again, you need to you need to mechanically remove the waste from the body of water entirely. You can't just leave that sitting there. And if you got messy fish like goldfish, they'll go around, they'll eat the poop. And because they haven't broken it down that efficiently in the first place anyway, so they'll pull more nutrients out of it. Um, but they'll eat poop, they'll spit it out, they'll break it up a little bit for you. Fine particles will get into your sponge and the process for cleaning your sponge filter is pretty much the process for cleaning any of the rest of your filters. If you siphon some water out, that bucket of water, you gently, you remove the sponge, put it into that bit of water and you gently squeeze it. Just gently swish it around, remove any of the particles that you can from the outside, give it a gentle shake. Don't be too vigorous with it because you're going to kill off that good bacteria and you're going to destroy that. Put it back into your aquarium and just hook up the line again get that going and that's just gonna it may spit out a, a kind of a little kind of puff of just murky water no harm that'll clear up in an hour or two that's how you clean out your sponge filter you can't use tap water because your tap water contains chlorine it's going to kill off your good bacteria you do the same with the sponges in your canister filters whether they be internal external and um, hang on back some filters you're going to do the same there that's the best way to do it there's no point in using dechlorinator to create clean water at expense to clean your sponges off in and again if you use tap water it will kill your good bacteria colony your biological filter is now dead you're about to have an ammonia spike things are about to get
painful for both you and your fish. So that's sponge filters. I use them, like I said, in all my setups, and I really, really like them. They don't have a massive flow rate, but they have a massive surface area. They can look a bit ugly, but you can hide them away. They have pros and cons, um, but for me, they work, they work super efficiently. The next type of filter is a canister filter. Now, internal canister filters are essentially where you've got a pump, and that's going to pump water through a box which has loads of layers of different types of foams and pads and carbon blocks and all different things that it can be comprised of many different types of filtration media but then it's gonna it's gonna suck it through usually from the bottom and it's gonna pull them through all different layers and they're gonna come out the top then or else vice versa they're gonna go in through the top and be skimmed down through the top from the top and then through the sides and go down through these filter uh, media and come out the bottom through a pump so that usually requires a pump on it which is going to be extra electricity but also um th they do look neat they can look really really neat they can also look super ugly there's some really hideous ones and you know filter design i think aesthetically generally has a long way to go and um, they th tend oh, there's some really ugly filters out there but whether or not you know and, and it's pity because aesthetically like everything else in the aquarium is designed that we're trying to make it look as good as possible some of them don't look good they do also take up some of the body of water so you know aside from the fact that they're they're taking up space that your fish could swim they're also not adding any volume an external canister filter which has to be filled up it, it technically adds more water to the system and the bigger the body of water the better but it doesn't add any more water to the system and you're also going to be working in the in the actual aquarium itself it's going to be inside the tank or inside the pond which means any kind of movement is going to throw waste into the water column and it can be quite messy to clean them i found in my experience that you know whereas they can be they can they can be neat and tidy and they can look really good and you can kind of hide them away and you can actually cover them with things like moss you can actually um completely kind of cover them over so that they're not even really visible and and do a really good job of that internal filters can be really messy to clean and just allow too much waste for my liking to get into the aquarium because they've mechanically trapped loads of waste and as soon as you start trying to remove those bits of that are going to end up back in the in in the tank pond whatever it is that you've got so that's internal canister filters external ones are essentially kind of the same system but instead of it being in the water it's getting pumped out of your aquarium through a, through a pipe and down usually down um, to a canister which has all different filter media and there's loads of different types the great thing about these is that you can add things into them like uv lights some of them actually have uv lights built into them which is going to kill algae and kill bacteria now uv light will also kill your good bacteria as well as bad bacteria so if you're putting in new bacteria to recolonize your filter if you've got a uv light on that it's actually going to kill that good bacteria and you're going to be throwing money away and just not doing anything of benefit to your system so you need to be mindful if you've got a uv light on the system and you're topping off with good bacteria you need to turn off that light because it's going to kill your good bacteria along with the bad it's indiscriminate doesn't care and that's just that's just a waste of time and money and you don't want to be doing that and it also allows you to have multiple layers of different types of filter media so you can have different types of sponge you can have all sorts of densities of sponge you can of course right down to fine you can put in your carbon blocks pads granules whatever you want that way you can also put in usually bio balls which are kind of balls of either kind of clay or, or stone or sometimes plastic and they have massive surface areas 
um, kind of similar to our carbon, but it doesn't have chemicals combined to a true adsorption like carbon does. It's not like that. It actually just creates a massive surface area on which your good bacteria can grow. But the thing is, if that if they get clogged up, if they get wasting them, your good bacteria is going to die off. So that that needs to be a clean part of your system. You can't get waste on your bio balls. If it gets to the point where they're getting waste build up on them, they're not operating efficiently. Consider them to be inactive if they've got waste on them. They're not operating efficiently, not operating effectively. And you know, you, you've got really super fine filter media like filter floss. Some people, what they'll do is they'll put that as the very top layer of their filter media. That's the first thing it has to go through and actually clear that out quite regularly. So at no point is there any real buildup of waste in their aquarium. So, you know, that is another really efficient way of making sure that you don't have big lumps of poop cut in your mechanical filtration system. You know, you can be removing those, cleaning those. And like that filter floss, a lot of people think that you have to throw it out straight away. Um, you don't, you can clean that, boil them, you know, hot the boiling water, give it a good rinse, a good clean, let that dry, you know, rinse it out again, and then put it back into the aquarium. It's gonna trap waste again. You know, it's just, it's a filter. Um, it'll get to, any plastic in the aquarium is gonna get to the point where it's gonna break down. And if it's super fine, like a fine filter, yes, it's gonna break down and then you'll end up with nano particles of plastic in the water column. That's not good. Um, so, you know, you don't want to use it, you know, indefinitely. But, yeah, get more than one use out of filter floss if you can because it, it can be expensive and it can be a real waste of money just kind of to use it once for a day or two days or a couple of days and throw it away. Um, I wouldn't usually recommend doing that, if at all possible. Um, so, yeah, canister filters, really, really good options. Again, like I said, I had instances where the power went and because the power went, I had an issue that I didn't even realize because I wasn't there that the um, everything inside the canister filter went super nasty. Went super nasty, good bacteria died off and big ammonia spike and had lo loads of issues afterwards. If you turn off your filter for any long period of time because for whatever reason or if you've got an old filter and you put it back on, if you haven't cleared that out completely before you put it back on, scrubbed it, got rid of all of the waste in there, it's going to put poison into your tank. So that's really really worth well known and being mindful of if you have an old filter you need to scrub that so well because if there's any little bits of waste in that they can be horrendous and they're gonna just get pumped into your aquarium trust me it's gonna be super nasty again when you put them back on after doing your maintenance they're generally gonna spit a little bit of kind of that dirty water out into the aquarium the only good thing about those is because they have a line going in and a line going out you can actually pump that water somewhere else it doesn't have to necessarily go into the aquarium so you can turn on your canister filter for a moment and actually have that pumping water into another bucket and that can just you know you leave that run for a moment or two until that water runs clear and then you can top off the rest of your system then with fresh treated dechlorinated chemically treated water so you know that it's topped off with really good clean water that's not going to hurt your fish or good bacteria and that way you've cleaned your filter and it hasn't just spat waste back into the system at the end. So it's gonna allow you to maintain that really nice clear system. And some filters, generally that's gonna be where water flows over the top of a lip in the aquarium and it will then kind of run down a pipe underneath the aquarium usually. And gravity's gonna take it there and it will run through a number of different partitions, usually in a tank, glass or acrylic, and that will con con that'll contain lots of different types of filter medium. Similar to your canister filter, the water is going to be flowing kind of up and down and up and down. And it's moving through the system rather than just flowing straight down or up through the middle and out through the sides. 
it's flown up and down and up and down and up and down and it has to go from where it goes in through all these different medium to a section where there's a pump and that pump will pump water back up so as the pump is pumping water into your tank which is now run through all your filter media the great thing about those is you can make them huge you can make them really big and some people actually put like living tanks in them so they'll have a section that they can have plants in and and they can have all different things in it that they wouldn't be able to keep in their main tank up above because it might get eaten or destroyed or whatever by whatever's in that tank up above but your pump pumps it back up in to the tank usually at the far side from where the outlet is and as that pumps it in the water level increases and that means that bit of water flows back over and down and it creates a continuous cycle so as long as the electricity is on and your pump is pumping water will be overflowing and down and going down into the sump the great and they seem a bit mad like oh no what if the electricity goes if the electricity goes the pump's not pumping and the bit of water that flows out well that's not going to overflow over your sump as long as you have it set up correctly so you you're working within kind of a couple of level tolerance levels and usually like you might mark your sump and be like the water has to be between these levels because if it's below that the sump might run dry and if it's above that the sump could potentially overflow if the if the power goes and um, really oh guys they're they're amazing because they're going to have generally they're going to be so much bigger and you can put really powerful pumps on them and you can really really make those whatever way you want you can get them pre-made you can put different partitions in them you can put so many different types of filtration media into them you can make really personalized systems but again that means water has to overflow out of your tank so if you've got a little tiny tiny livestock in your tank um, they're going to end up overflowing i've seen systems overflow systems like that for um aquarium sump filters where the sump were just full of shrimp absolutely full of shrimp because they went out over the top oh, all it takes is a couple of tiny baby ones and all of a sudden you've got a massive shrimp colony underneath and um, eating away because they will eat any of the bits of kind of waste food and detritus and stuff they'll sift through all that so I've I've seen and I've had some where shrimp were just absolutely like thriving in them. And baby fish can also end up in there because if eggs end up in there, they may end up going into the filter media. And then the little tiny fry, if they survive, they can end up living in the sump. You can get oh you know older fish as well if they're small fish can end up in there. Um, and you can just get wild fish that end up in there anyway, kind of jumping in. And if you don't have a lid on kind of the outlet box, so there's a bunch of different types of ways that. And fish and stuff can get in there um so you need to be mindful of that it may be suitable for you know you want it may be suitable for larger fish or if you're going to have that set up and, and generally it will be larger fish because larger fish when they go to the toilet quite often the proteins and the waste they'll rise to the surface which is where it's going to be skimmed from and that then will get drawn into that system into the sump if you have little tiny fish and their waste isn't really kind of rising to the top and stuff like that, it might not be as effective, but generally it's not needed as much because they're usually used on systems where you've got big kind of waste producing fish. I remember my monster fish tanks with my arowana and Oscars and stuff like that. I used under under tank sumps and the, the sumps were half the volume of the actual aquarium because they were living in the stand underneath so if you've got a, a stand you like i made it custom so it had a massive sump so effectively what it done it was it added half of the volume of water 
onto the system again which meant if ammonia was going to start building up for whatever reason it to reach the same toxic level there was half an entire body of water extra before it reached that level before it reached that many parts per million because there's just millions more pieces of water the bigger the body of water the harder it's going to be for it to get toxic or at least the longer it's going to take it buys you time and if you've got a little tiny system it can get affected really really quickly um i tended to use that in combination with an with a canister filter because of the fact that the you know fish will generally produce waste but also gets onto the bottom um so if you use it in combination with a canister filter if you've got the proteins are being skimmed from the top any heavier waste is going to get sucked out from the bottom because the canister filter i had the inlet right the way down the bottom so the two of them really efficient system where i was keeping really clean clear water and um, but with big massive heavy waste producing fish and like that you can put a layer of filter floss as the first layer on your system so any of the big heavy pieces of waste are getting caught and that's you know something that you can remove and change regularly and you know i've had them full of lava stone i've had them full of bio balls i've had them full of rotating um bioactive media all sorts of different things um over the years and I, I love them they're super effective i just tend not to use them as much with goldfish um because i i just don't have any systems upon which they would be kind of work worthwhile putting together right now um hang on back filters they're similar to kind of canister filters or similar to foam, uh, sump filters um but essentially it's like it's like the sump is hanging on the back of the tank and instead of kind of skimming and overflowing into it it gets sucked out from the aquarium through a little pump that's in it that's inside that little hang on back filter it sucks the water out and that runs through some filters and kind of flows back over the a little outlet into the aquarium and um, they can be really useful and um, they they're better on smaller systems but like that um, one thing, one issue that I have with them is, and you know, they work just really similar to your canister filters or internal canister filters, external canister filters. You've got all different layers of media in it. So you can add what you want into it. You've got ones that have like rotating wheels for kind of um, wet dry filtration stuff. I don't like to have the kind of really complex filters. I prefer to have a more simple filter because the more things that are going on in it, the more complex you make it, the more systems there are that can break down and it just takes one of them to break down for all of your good bacteria to be killed off. But your standard hang on back filter, it usually takes water out from just below where where it's hanging on the, on the tank and then pumps it back in the same place. So I find it can be very hard with one of them, on, especially on a larger tank, to get a good flow of water through your whole system to make sure you're catching all of those waste particles. Because it is mechanical filtration as well as biological filtration. But... I find that the the layers are generally a little bit less well defined and they're generally going to be smaller because they're hanging off the back of it. You're not going to be able to have it big because it's going to be a huge weight and it's going to be pulling on the glass and your aquariums aren't designed for that. So you can't really have huge hang on back filters. So that is a limiting factor with them. But like that, I've used them before. I've used one either end of a long tank and they worked very effectively. And you know it meant in the middle that there wasn't a massive flow so there was areas for fish to go and shrimp to go that didn't like big flow and you know if you want to prevent um big pieces of waste from getting sucked into those and, and clogging them all up what you can do is you can actually put a sponge a really fine sponge on the inlet and that's something you can do on any of your canister filters on the inlet itself which is where the water is getting sucked in 
you can put a really fine sponge on that and that's going to just stop big heavy pieces of waste from getting in but again you have to be mindful because as soon as that gets blocked up it's going to reduce the amount of water flow through and you know what your pump may actually require that amount of water flow to stop it from overheating so that's also something worth bearing in mind as well as the fact that your good bacteria are going to start dying off um other types of filter right wetlands bog filter i'm going to talk about that now that is that is my preferred method for using on ponds wherever possible because essentially it's a massive filter compared to most filters you're going to use it adds a huge extra volume of water to the system which is always good and um, again the bigger the volume of water the more time it's going to take for that to go bad so it buys you time you're replicating nature more in bigger bodies of water but the other thing it is that it does is it gives you the opportunity to put in sometimes literal tons of filter media and i literally do have tons of filter media on my koi pond i'll talk about that one first because that's a huge system so pond itself is a couple of thousand liters and um, so it's not like a huge pond it's going to be getting an extension and um, but the filter itself the filter is about it's between a third and a half the volume of the pond itself so that's after adding a massive extra volume of water onto the entire system again it's brilliant the more par parts of water in the system the better the other thing that it does is it it allowed me to put in actual tons of filtration media now the filtration media in that it's not sponges and stuff like that the way or bio balls actually i suppose it's not dissimilar from bio balls what i've done is i've put my pump in the pond i've actually put two in and they run water out from the pond to the very bottom of a big deep trough and that trough is designed so that i put a load of stone on top of that pipe and that pipe is full of holes so it sprays out all along the bottom of that so if you can imagine that empty that's going to fill up that trough and it's going to just flow down and over a lip and a couple of little mini waterfalls and it's going to be agitated and aerated and then it's going to go over a spillway and back into the pond so that'd be no good because right you'd probably get a load of the waste settle at the bottom of that trough but nothing's going to happen with it and it's going to break down and cause ammonia and there's nothing to deal with it what i done was i put loads of larger rocks in on top of that so big pebbles about half the size of a clenched fist and i filled over all of the pipework with that and that pipework then is completely submerged so as the waste gets pumped out it's going to get caught in that and the water's still going to be able to flow through quite freely because they're big pieces and there's big gaps between them now some of the waste is still going to flow through so i don't want that i got a slightly finer media so if you can imagine if you were to uh, take like a, a two euro coin or you know um say for take a golf ball cut it in half something like that um stones about that size put a load of them in big layer of stones that size again they uh, the surface area of all these is going to get colonized with good bacteria but there's going to still be quite a bit of sediment in there so i put in finer filter media i put in tons and tons of pea gravel the great thing was i actually had all those stone all that stone on site i didn't need, even need to purchase any of that and that stone then all layered over the top of that created this massive layer of really fine stones with smaller gaps that waste can't flow up through only the water can so the waste gets trapped in those lower layers and 
we've talked in mechanical filtration about how we don't want waste getting trapped indefinitely. Well, on a wetlands bog filter system, what we do then is we plant it up really heavily, really, really heavily with as many different types of aquatic plants as we can and marginal plants. And what they do is they send their roots down. And as that waste is breaking down in that area, we actually have a massive, massive volume of plants. So they're actually able to absorb more nitrates than they can in any of your other types of filtration systems. So the plants are actually going to pull the nitrates out of the system. And because the filter's so, so, so massive, it's 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 just it's able to handle that waste being trapped there. But the waste isn't just sitting there indefinitely without anything happening to it and slowly breaking down and becoming ammonia. We've actually got we've actually got a we've got a filter team there. We've got a cleaner team that's working on that. Because it's a big live system, it's going to be full of pond snails and little tiny red wigglers, little worms. Worms that, like like the way worms live in compost systems, breaking down waste. You've got aquatic worms that will live in that water, in those lower levels. Because as it's going in, it is actually highly oxygenated. But the good bacteria and stuff will use the oxygen on the way out. So it comes out a little bit oxygen depleted. We're going to talk about that after. But... Those worms can live in that lower level and they're going to go through that and they're moving in between all those big rocks and they're eating the waste and eating the poop and eating the food and they're breaking it down into even easier to use forms of ammonia so that when it reaches the stone up above and the smaller stones and the finer stones, that then can just use any of the ammonia that's being created and that will create a really balanced system whereby, you know, the bacteria is going to grow all over those stones, cover all the surfaces to manage that amount of ammonia because if the ammonia is not being produced the bacteria can't grow so it's a balanced system and it works really well and and it tends to grow quite harmoniously with your kind of pond over the course of the summer because some of that bacteria it's not going to die off over the winter but it will most of it will die off and you can add new bacteria at the start of the season when the water temperatures creep up above 10 degrees because below that a lot of the bacteria are going to die off anyway um you can start adding your good bacteria. It's going to recolonize all that system, which above 10 degrees, you're going to be starting to feed your fish again anyway, even just bits of wheat germ, and they're going to be breaking down the ammonia that that's creating. So it's it's usually kind of a nice balanced way of kind of create, you, you know, you can do it in a really nice balanced way and create a really nice balanced system where when you plant it all up with, and I could have 12, 15 different types of plant in my bog filter, all different types. So if you're just using the one type of plant, it's going to use all the, it's going to use up really quickly all of certain nutrients but it may not require other nutrients which are being produced by all of your nitrifying bacteria you need to have lots of different types of plants so they're using up as wide a range of nutrients as possible and again those nutrients that's waste the more of that that gets taken out of the water and utilized and used by plants for growth well the fresher and cleaner that water is going to be and it's going to be safer for your fish and that's essentially what a lake does in the wild you know in in, in nature or what a river does, it does that. By putting as many plants into that system as we can, of as many, of as many varieties as we can, you know, we're making as close to possible a naturally balanced system. So it means I have to do very little by way of water changes. And that is amazing. That's super handy. So on my bog filter, I have to do very little by means of cleaning my mechanical filtration. Very little. Um, that gets taken care of by a cleanup crew that is alive, working in there. 
And then my good bacteria eat all of the ammonia and the nitrites and create nitrates. And then the plants are using quite a lot of those. So I don't need to do as many water changes or as big a volume. However, there's still going to be some waste left in the pond that doesn't get sucked into the pumps. So I'll occasionally go in with my pond hoover and I'll make sure that any of the sludge that's building up on the bottom of the pond and any of the spots that are a little bit kind of quiet or that they've kind of got trapped up in at the bottom i'll go in and i'll remove those because they're just going to break down in the pond again in a, in a way that's not harmonious with that overall system but generally i have to do less maintenance on that than i do on any of my tanks or aquariums it's super handy however it's not without its disadvantages the main one for me as far as i'm concerned is it's such a big system that if you have a problem with it you're trying to recreate that again cycling it can take quite a while and the other thing is if you have a problem with it in terms of like your pond you need to do a treatment on it you have an issue you've got bacterial fungal and um, parasitic infections you got flukes you got anything like that if you're gonna have to treat that pond you've just created a massive hiding spot for that stuff to hide out because that'll be getting sucked in through the filter and end up in there and some of that stuff will survive in inner the um, and that's the thing about that setup it's gonna it's gonna have aerobic and anaerobic areas and luckily enough there are nitrifying anaerobic bacteria which will break down some of that waste as well so it's super handy but you've got all these pests that can get into that system and when you're treating with medication they may have buried themselves so deep that the medication's never going to reach them over the standard course of that medication's um, usage in your pond. So say, for example, if you're using a medication for five days and then you leave the water for 10 days and you do a water change um, because you're treating for parasites and you need to make sure that you get its entire life cycle filled. Well, you may have had a couple of parasites that have managed to hide out in a part of that bog filter that didn't get medication near it and they're gonna just end up back in the water column straight away and all of a sudden the fish that seem to be fine are all dying again so that can be an issue and um, it's harder to do a full purge on that system of nasties that's one thing that i'd say about it now i have a smaller version of it on my pond and um, on my heated fancy goldfish pond and i absolutely love it the other the only thing about it is in smaller formats it can be quite difficult to do fine particle filtration because you don't have layers of really fine sponges and media and um, it can be a little bit tougher now what i've done on that system is not only have i got pl plants in it and um, you know planted all around the edges i've actually packed it with um, string algae and duckweed which i've let kind of fill it up and they're adding some fine particle filtration but also on the outlet um, of, I, I made a second one, um, a second kind of bog filter, which is not heavily planted. It's actually kind of just got duckweed and string algae in it, but that's not grown really heavily because, or really strong because there's very little light getting in at it. It's actually kind of quite dark in there. Um, so it's mainly providing biological filtration, um, but I, ha I designed it so I have a little outlet so I can put a filter on that, um, a little basket with some filter uh, media some really really fine filter floss that's keeping my pond clear for me but before i put in the all of the really fine string algae which a lot of people aren't going to want in their system full stop now my goldfish are eating quite a bit of that as it's coming down and i'm feeding them handfuls of that and the and the duckweed every day so they're getting loads of kind of proteins and fiber and nutrients and nutrition out of that and um, which has pulled that out of the system out of the water column and filtered it so 
it's a really good balanced system it's fantastic but it, it is providing me with a little bit more fine scrubbing but it can be hard to do fine scrubbing on a small wetlands bog system and that's why you'll see big wetlands bog system and really big systems they'll generally have to flow over kind of a large area of very shallow rock and shallow stone because what happens is in that part of the system um, sediments will generally tend to drop and it'll usually be quite big and quite wide and the the slower flow rate over that than through the rest of the system actually means that the sediments can drop and as those sediments drop they'll get broken down you might have plants grow and yeah that's you know you can you can go in and you can kind of drain that out and clean out that part of the system as well so it does have its disadvantages definitely but because they're so effective and they're so much bigger they add extra, such a large extra volume of water onto your pond system generally i find them to be my preferred filtration system for ponds and clearly you can add other things like protein skimmers so the protein skimming element of your sump filter where we have kind of a, a little part in our aquarium and it's got little holes in it right at the surface where water can get skimmed out and pull off all those proteins and proteins end up at the surface of your water because as your fish are producing mucus and going to the toilet and excreting and waste is being broken down proteins tend to rise up to the surface and they can actually prevent gas exchange which also reduces down the amount of oxygen that's in the water so that's not good so we it is good to do protein skimming quite often anyway especially on a heavily stocked system but you can add that in to pretty much any of those systems that we talked about any of those types of filter um very very easily which will allow you to do protein skimming as well and um, i want to talk about oxygenation infiltration though because no matter what filtration your system you you have set up um you've got good bacteria and your biological filter on it you have to have that in your aquarium pond whatever your setup is that's the one filtration that you definitely do need in there and mechanical not being as important again clear water that's for us not for a fish but once you've got your biological filtration set up you've added in an extra creature which is going to consume oxygen and that's important to note because like i said earlier on the water coming in from the pond it's oxygenated it starts to flow up through say for example the wetlands bog uh, filter and as it flows through passes waste drops off the waste if passes by good bacteria oxygen gets used up by that and by the time it comes out of that system it's oxygen depleted the same thing happens in your canister filter the same thing happens in in all of your filters as the good bacteria is doing its thing it is consuming oxygen which makes less oxygen available in the column of water for your fish and if you have a really kind of big bog filter setup and you don't have like an area where it can be agitated before it goes back into the water you can be you can really starve the fish of oxygen which then in turn is going to start and starve your good bacteria of oxygen and it's going to become a really nasty system really quickly so you may need to agitate the water before it goes back in and there's a couple of ways you can do that you can actually agitate the water in certain systems by use of kind of a tumbler or wet dry tri trickle filter systems where the water actually has to drop and splash and do different things like that before it actually goes out of the filter and then you can also create a spout or an outlet on the filter which is going to agitate the water going into the water so it has to maybe drop from a height and splash in and as, as it's splashing it's creating surface agitation and it's allowing gas transfer and it's going to really help re-oxygenate that water before it goes back in on my um, wetland bog filter setup on my koi pond i have that set up so that it flows over a lip and into a pool where it kind of spins around and re-oxygenates as it's kind of getting sloshed about 
and then it flows up and over a bunch of different rocks and gets really agitated and then it flows over and over an edge and it shoots kind of back into the pond and it really splashes about and it adds in loads of extra oxygen that way and i also have oxygenation added in through an air pump as well because i've got a sturgeon in there and they will die really quickly if you have low oxygen levels because they need a higher oxygen saturation content level than koi or goldfish do so they'll die if the if i just left it as it was and i didn't have agitation going on it wouldn't actually naturally have enough parts per million dissolved oxygen content and the sturgeon would die so he actually needs that agitation in the water to make sure that he's got the oxygen content he needs and it's super saturated and i can monitor that and you can do tests for oxygen saturation in your pond water in your aquarium water because if you're bringing that in to be tested it's a little bit tricky because it, it will change over time um, kind of quickly enough in a vial or in a bottle or anything like that. So that's, I have a big, like a big test kit. It's one of the parts of it. And I'll regularly test that, especially if the weather's getting kind of, um, kind of real kind of thundery and stuff. Because certain weather conditions, like thundery weather conditions, will actually have less oxygen available because of the fact that it's through the air pressure and you there'd just be less oxygen available to get into the water and you, you know we call them a, a close day here in ireland they're a real heavy day where you just oh you're struggling to breathe because it just feels like as if there's no air out well that really has an effect on your pond as well so really definitely worth bearing in mind and um, if you've got a huge amount of biological filtration going on and it's a really kind of close or heavy day and you've got very little oxygen you need to make sure that water is agitated. And again, if you're adding medication into the wa water, that's gonna quite often further reduce the amount of oxygen that, that's there because most medications will reduce the amount of available oxygen. So you need to definitely make sure that you're putting extra effort in to remove or to add extra oxygen into the water. Um, they're kind of the main types of filter. Guys, there's some really fancy filters out there, really high-end stuff. Um, the sky's the limit with filtration. And you, you know what? You can't over filter. That's that's my experience. You know, the more kind of biological surface area that you add to your system, the better. Because every square inch of your system is gonna have bacteria growing it. It's gonna be good, it's gonna help, you know, break down ammonia, it's gonna do your nitrifying, and then you know, you're just gonna have to do your bit of a water change every now and again. Again, chemically filter felt filter that water before it goes in. Do not put that water back in untreated because it will kill your good bacteria and then you're back to square one and that can be just a real nightmare. And guys, I know what it's like when these things go wrong. It's happened to me in, in, in all of the ways. When I started fish keeping, I found it really hard to get good resources and I, dro I drove all over the country here in Ireland trying to find out what I could and it was usually from people who were trying to sell me stuff. And um, and of course, they'd be telling you anything. Um, but like that, it was the day that I was told my setup was wrong because I wasn't supposed to be looking after the fish. I was supposed to be looking after the water. My water was all wrong. That was my eureka moment. And it made me think, my goodness, I need to start looking at what is going on in my water. And it got me into fish keeping in a much more significant way. And I just had much more success as a result. Guys, if somebody farts in a room, you can get up and you can leave or you can open a window. But when your fish, things get nasty and stinky for them, they are stuck there. Just think about that scenario. That's not fair on them. And if everybody in that room is farting repeatedly, goodness gracious, it gets, it's going to get rancid and it's going to get to the point where they just can't breathe. And there are scenarios 
where people have been stuck in ammonia filled environments and you know have been either seriously injured or, or killed and um, like i said any kind of organic matter breaking down is going to create ammonia so if you think of like those massive horrendous um chicken farms uh, real industrial horrible setups and um, if they've had thousands and thousands of chickens in and they've been kind of eating and pooping and eating and pooping and they're being taken off um for whatever reason um usually something unpleasant if that joint room that they've been kept in and um, somebody goes in there without PPE, without their protective gear on and they get stuck there the ammonia that's being released from that waste turns into ammonia gas and then it becomes ammonia hydroxide when it hits their eyes nose mouth lungs and people have been caught in scenarios like that as well where they've been caught around slurry pits or they've been caught around these horrible horrible environments and they have been you know either really badly injured or, or even killed so it's not a scenario that hasn't happened to people and like that i mean the time that i i was working on that koi pond and i could really smell that really nasty ammonia i don't think i even finished that story goodness i i i, I digressed okay i'm gonna finish that one for you i started working on that and it burnt me the waste splashed up on my arm and it really really badly burnt my arm and I was in the military for years and I was working on aircraft and I always took pride in, you know, wearing my PPE and making sure that I didn't have any type of kind of contact dermatitis. Because I've seen a lot of older guys suffer from that who didn't have PPE available to them back in the day and that kind of thing. And I was just like, no, I need to make sure that I don't end up with stuff like that. Oh, I always took pride in it. And then some poop out of a fish filter splashes up on me and burns the arm off me and for months i had burn marks on my arm and i had itchy sore skin and it was really really nasty but it also splashed up on my clothing and because i top i tipped over the filter to try and get rid of all the waste out of it um outside but it splashed up on me and it burnt my clothing now the closest thing that i ever had to the to what i saw the burns is if i've ever spilled bleach on my clothing and um I worked a little bit in the lab years ago and we were using sodium hypochlorite and that's super like that's super bleach and it, it'll kill anything and we were diluting it to three percent so like three parts sodium hypochlorite per hundred parts of water and um or for 97 parts of water and when that splashed up on our clothes it burned holes in them and stuff this was the same this did the same to me it burnt the clothing and and stained it really badly and it made the fabric all brittle and, and I couldn't believe it. This was from waste. The water in that system was flowing through that setup. And the fish were having to live in that. So if you can imagine like the the way they must have been feeling. How horrible that must have been. So it's really, really horrible, nasty, dangerous stuff. And this is why we do filtration. This is what it's all about. Making sure that we don't have bad water go into the aquarium. And then... We treat the water so it doesn't go bad in the aquarium and then removing enough of it so that the, it's diluted to the point where it never gets bad for your fish and if you do that you're going to create a system which is essentially rep replicating nature but on a much smaller scale and it's going to keep your fish super super healthy now you know all the different types of filtration you can look at any system and try suit it for your needs so if you have big waste producing fish that produce big logs you could you can go right I know I need to make sure that I've got enough mechanical filtration that it's going to ensure that that waste is effectively taken out of the water column 
before the water reaches my carbon filtration, my biological filtration, because it's just gonna block them up. So you can look at the amount of media that you need to ensure that, that everything's okay. The other thing is the volume of water that you're passing through your system. If you have, a, if you, have you know, the same system and you put a bigger pump on it, don't expect it to just work better because what's gonna happen is the water is gonna get pushed through at a faster rate and it may actually allow particles of waste to get through because it's been pushed through harder basically and it may create a bit of a backlog behind your filter media or it may end up making the water go cloudy so you might be surprised you think oh goodness i put a better pump on my system but it's not working as well and it's gone it's gone nasty it's because you've interfered with the system and the other thing is the bacteria that are there again they don't like change too much and um, they're very adaptive but they don't like very sudden change so you've just changed a lot of what's going on for them the water's maybe flying past there and it's and and they're not being able to utilize stuff the way they were and they might die back a bit um, and like that finally you know those really fine particles might get true as well so you need may need to add in extra layers if you're going to add in a better pump or you may actually even need to change up your system completely because if you're going from pumping your water around your aquarium about three times an hour to ten times an hour the same filtration system isn't going to be it's not going to work the same it really won't and you may need to change things up and um, and similarly if you drop down the speed at which that's working at or you stop it for a while remember you're probably you're affecting your good bacteria again so you know the way your filter's working now the way the different parts of it work guys look at your own system decide what's going to work best for you you don't have to go with just one filter you can go for multiple filters you could decide i'm going to have a, a, one or two sponges in my aquarium and i'm also going to put a canister filter on it because i do want lots of biological filtration because it's kind of heavily stuck but i also want to make sure that it's nice and clear because i have this in an area where i, I want this to look really nice but i can't be bringing buckets in and out every day to do um do all of my siphoning and it will depend on the amount of effort you can put in and the amount of time that you can dedicate to maintenance if you get a huge huge massive canister filter and you have it on a quite kind of a, a low stock system a really low density of fish and you're they're not really producing much waste you're not going to have to clean that anywhere near as regularly as you are if that's gonna if you're putting that on a system of big fish who are producing loads of waste and um, so you know you can take all those things into account see what works best for you i put multiple sponges in in my tanks because i i move my fish from tank to tank a bit because i've got lots of tanks and as they're grown on i might want to move them and change them and that's another thing we're bearing in mind if your fish are grown the amount of food is going to grow so you're good bacteria that's going to need to grow as well and if you only have a small filter you're not really giving it enough biological surface area for it actually to grow on so you may need to add in extra surface area and that could be you know through a lot of different methods it could be through adding different filter media you could just add a bunch of stones to the bottom of the aquarium and all of a sudden that's giving loads more surface area there's different ways you can do it but you need to add in extra surface area if you have only given them a very small amount of surface area for the bacteria to grow on so your fish are grown, they're going to have increased needs for ammonia to be broken down as they're producing more waste and more ammonia. So you're going to need to grow your bacteria colony over time. If I want to move half the fish in one of my 40 gallons, so say if I've got, you know, 10 small goldfish in a 40 gallon, they're growing really well, I want to move five of them into another 40 gallon. And I've got two big sponges in there. 
Well, I can take one of the sponges out of that system and move across five fish. Now, the thing is, I haven't moved across half of my biological surface area. I've only moved across half of my sponges. I haven't moved across half the inside of the aquarium, half the substrate, half of the walls, half the glass, half the plants, half whatever. And I usually will move across plants and stuff if they're there as well. But haven't got as much good bacteria per fish as I did before. So what I'll do is I'll actually just reduce down the amount of food that I'm feeding for a couple of days and ramp it up slowly. So they're actually going to produce a little bit less ammonia, even though it's the same amount of fish. So that way I don't need to worry about, you know, the fact that I'm, I have a slightly reduced bacterial colony. It's going to build up as well over that short period of time when I'm slowly starting to ramp the feed back up. So that's really, really handy way of kind of being able to move fish around, keeping multiple sponges. Now, also, if I have a big issue in a tank or an aquarium and I lose all my good bacteria for whatever reason, or I just want to set up a new aquarium, I can just take some sponges out of different aquariums and it's going to have all the good bacteria on it and i can instantly set up a brand new aquarium and put fish in it straight away because i've got all the good bacteria i need i know i'm sorted and all i need to do with those other tanks then is reduce down the amount of feed that i'm feeding just by a very small amount because i now have a little bit less good bacteria but the same amount of fish similar to the that scenario i just described a little bit less food means a little bit less ammonia which means that the good bacteria will be able to handle that so everything you do in your aquarium every bit you stir up every bit you remove it's going to take away or kill a little bit of good bacteria bear that in mind if you're doing massive maintenance you're going to have an effect on it but like that if you're adding fish in you can take something like a little bit of extra sponge or something guys i've gone in and i've set up possible things and i've just cut chunks of sponge off a little bit of each one of the sponges that i have and thrown that in and that's just immediately kind of filled a little hospital tank up with good bacteria and spawn, you know, filter media. And it's done the biological filtration for me. That works. I've taken chunks of sponges and put them over the end of a airstone or wrapped them around a, an air bar and just let that just gently pass air through it. And it's going to suck water into that little bit of a filter sponge that I've cut off and wrapped around it. And it's going to perform a little bit of biological filtration. It means that I'm not setting up a little hospital tank that has no filtration going on at all. I don't want that scenario. I want there to be a little bit of biological filtration there. Even if I'm not really feeding heavily or anything like that. Just so that the fish's respiration and stuff. I don't want ammonia in the water if I've got a, a sick fish I'm treating. Because they're the last ones that you want to be suffering from ammonia burns. Because they're already in a bad way. So... If you come away from this and you know to dechlorinate your water and how to look after your good bacteria colony and where they should all fit in your filtration systems, guys, you now know, you now have the tools to set up your own filter for whatever setup you want. You have an idea of kind of, you know, whether it needs to be bigger or smaller, whether or not it should have UV, when to turn off the UV, and when to add your different types of filter media. And like that, Guys, there's so many different types of filter meter out there. I definitely didn't even cover anywhere near all of them. Um, look into them all. What you're going to concern yourself with is the surface area of your filter media, whether it be, you know, for good bacteria growth or whether, you know, it's your carbon blocks. Um, you don't want a really kind of loose, wide sponge with big holes in it if it's a carbon block because that's not going to be anywhere near as effective as, you know, something that's more kind of densely packed. Um, you know, you're going to want wide gaps and holes in the sponges, a coarse sponge to catch big pieces of waste, but you're going to want fine sponge to collect your fine pieces of waste. 
think about all that stuff for your setup, for your system. Look at the filter that you have and have a think about it. Is is what I have right for my system? Am I suffering from any of those particular things? Is it getting clogged up really quickly? You know, is it is it slowing down? Am I seeing really nasty waste kind of spitting back out into the aquarium? Have I been have I been turning this off at night? Is it on the timer? Because you've effectively been killing your good bacteria off every night or not even giving it a chance to grow and spitting rotten waste into the aquarium every day. Maybe that's why you've been having trouble. I've heard of people saying, oh yeah, I've got my I've got my lights and I've got my filter on the timer. And it's like, no, because that's not how your filter works. All you've done is trap waste in a place to break down, to turn rotten, to get really bad, to pump it back in. That's not what you want to do. So you have a bit more of an idea now. And if you haven't got a filter on your tank, hopefully now you understand why it's so important why it really needs to be there there's no body of water that we're going to keep our fish in you know as you know fish keepers that's going to be so big that we don't really need to worry about filtration unless you're so super wealthy that you've got you know hundred thousand gallon pond you know forget about it if you're doing that you've already had somebody install that and tell you how to do all this you're not listening to this podcast anyway <laughs> not really likely but guys if you have any questions, you can always hit me up. I'm going to wrap things up there now. I think I've probably burnt your ears for long enough. I definitely have. Um, right. I just want to thank anybody who listened to this all the way through. Um, and anybody who checked out any of the other episodes. Feeding the last episode, I think, definitely is kind of an episode which kind of works harmoniously with this one. Because your goldfish are the first part of the system that breaks down waste to allow it to become that easily to absorb ammonia for your nitrifying bacteria. And it is good to kind of understand, even if it's not goldfish that you keep, it gives you an idea of how the overall kind of system of digestion kind of breaks food down in your fish. Um, I'm on Instagram. That's where I'm probably most active. Um, Well, at least I was. I dropped my phone this week. Oh, my God. I dropped my phone about two or three feet. And um, it wasn't even three feet. And the front of it smashed on it. I use that all the time for my Instagram. It's... um, it's a Huawei P30 and it's waterproof, so it's great. I just dunked the whole phone in the pond and now clearly with a big hole in the screen. Apart from not working, it's definitely not suitable for sticking in the pond. So um, so my Instagram probably might not be quite as active this week. Uh, but yeah, I'm generally super active on Instagram, The Joy of Aquascaping. Uh, YouTube, I try put stuff up there regularly enough, The Joy of Aquascaping. I've got the blog as well on the website, thejoyofaquascaping.com. And you can... Look, guys, you can hit me up there. You can ask me questions. Um, and there's a couple of different articles that I've put up there. And also, um, the podcast itself. Uh, it, I'm running this through Anchor. So if you guys want to check out The Joy of Aquascaping on Anchor, usually there's a link to the description um, or in my bio on Instagram. The podcast is now available on a bunch of different platforms. So if you want to check me out there, but also you can leave a voicemail. And it can be included in one of the episodes. So if you have any questions, feel free. Hit me up. You can leave me a voice message. And um, yeah, it'd be great to kind of get people involved in the podcast themselves. That's it, guys. Wrapping up there. My dog's back. He's having a spin of dinner. He's making loads of noise. Um, So I'm going to get this all set up, get this sent out, and I will talk to you all in the next episode. Take care. Bye-bye.